Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. this podcast and tonight i'm joined by my morning show the morning after co-hosts dag and clyde and then uh on on par for usual uh clyde is running late so it'll just be me and dag to start us out dag kind of introduce yourself uh for the small handful of people who listen to this show but don't actually watch the morning show and uh let people know what all you got going on and and where they can find you and some of the other stuff that you do and then we'll kind of jump into it and maybe maybe by the time you finish up uh clyde will be stumbling in all right plugs up top we'll get it out of the way um i'm dag i do stuff over to gorse texas i co-host podcasts over there i write an article from time to time but um you know (laughs) I'm a, I don't have that kind of brain. Um, I'm a small farmer. I wish I made a full-time living at it, but we're working towards that. And then, I don't know, man. I uh, I also run the Gorse Acres, so we sell seeds. If you want to buy some seeds, you can pay with crypto. Come on over, check us out. If you want anything and I don't have it, shoot me an email. I'll get it for you, et cetera, et cetera. See, that's perfect because the seed stuff was kind of what I wanted to take on at the top of the show because it is getting to be about that time of year where people are going to start the, you know, the hobby gardeners are going to start getting ready to put their own gardens out. And, you know, anytime you go to like Walmart or Girl King, Lowe's, Home Depot, they've got all the, you know, they've got the big racks that have all the seeds on them. And one of the things that you always see on the, on the rack are the ones that are labeled organic as if buying these organic seeds. Oh, there's Clyde. So, hey, you got that. three minutes. Cool. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> well, I had to, I had to wrap I, it up. 
Oh, no, so no. We no actually, are we actually talking about stuff on this show? Or is this well, we were getting more... ready to, but since you, uh, okay. since you came crashing in, turn your yeah. vibrator off. Right. Since you came crashing in, I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell everybody the, uh, <clears throat> the handful of people who watch this show but don't actually watch our show. Tell them who you are and what you do, and then uh, we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know, my name's Clyde, I don't do a whole lot of too much, um, and uh, I don't know, I, I, I'm on this other show on the morning with, with these clowns, and there's more clowning. Um, <laughs> I, I, there is clowning. The clowning. clowning. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other show we talk about, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and, and the clowning, and how good that show is, but um, I don't know, I like to grow things, I have, uh, you know, I've done the meat birds. Dag really kind of kind of egged me on with that. No, no pun intended. I don't know meat birds, is, but um, <laughs> well, they're meat birds. Like, so, <laughs> but I think it, you know it, between talking to him and um, doing, I'm not sure if I did my first batch before I started talking to you or not. But um, you know, it, since then it's kind of getting ideas from him, bouncing ideas off him. Um, you know, we got the goats going, and we were we're we milked a, a meat goat last year because we had a, a bottle baby and figured we might as well milk her. Um, and this year we have our, our dairy goats that we're about to start milking. Um, you know, and just kind of all around trying to trying to get it done um, as much as as much as I can. I've always I've kind of been that way, so I don't know. Very cool. Well, so Dag had mentioned doing seeds, and so what I was kind of starting to lead into was you know it's about the time of year that people start getting out and starting their own gardens and stuff like that and, and anytime you go to walmart rural king best buy or not best buy uh, <laughs> uh lowe's i can go home depot yeah <laughs> if only uh lowe's and home depot you know you get you get the the racks with all the seeds on them and you always see the seeds that are labeled as organic and they're always more expensive and and it always cracks me up because as if as if all the other seeds are like genetically modified and going to kill you or something. And it, what really always cracks me up is a lot of the stuff that's marked as organic. There aren't even genetically modified breeds out there yet for probably for like 80% of those. It, it really kind of cracks me up. So let's kind of talk about the seeds and the, the gardening, that kind of that side of stuff. Um, and, and also the, organic labeling that gets put on stuff and, and the process how that uh how that happens because we had talked about it on the morning show one time like very very briefly uh, so i wanted mm -hmm. to get into that a little more in depth i think if, if you're looking to buy seeds um i think the, the first thing that you want to look at is whether it's a hybrid or an open pollinated plant um you know open pollinated just means that the seed that the, that plant produces when it, it crosses with itself uh, will be true to form and you can save those seeds and plant them next year. But the hybrid, there's no telling what you're going to get. Um, to me, that is worth so much more than an organic versus a non-organic seed. Now, if you're talking GMOs, I don't know, maybe I, I, I'm not convinced. Um, I don't really want Monsanto knocking on my door, but um, that's you know, a whole other side of it. Yeah. Um... You know, I, I I definitely agree in you know in that regard. I guess the only thing that I could say about like like what a possible like benefit could be of having like an organic seed 
So, okay, that means the plant was grown organically. It wasn't sprayed with a bunch of chemicals or, or what have you. So, you know, I don't think that's going to affect the your end product, right? You buy a broccoli seed and the plant might have had some pesticides on it and you grow a broccoli plant, like you're probably safe. Um, now, I guess you can make the argument that if you just want to ensure that the way it was grown was, you know, let's say better for the, the planet, then you might prefer an organic seed. But that's the only real like benefit that I see to it. I like I stock some organic seeds, but it just depends on the price. Sometimes the price is a very small difference to buy something that's organic. So it's like, well, why not? Yeah. Uh, some people prefer it. And honestly, if I have the option, sure, why not? You know, um, but but yeah, really, like he said, you just kind of need to be careful. You get like hybrids and a lot of times hybrids can be great, you know, for a purpose. But if you're trying to save seed, you really need to be aware of that. Yeah, and you, still can. I, I, you can still grow from seed. It just might be a little wonky. Yeah, I, I did that before. I crossed some like different squash with other squash and try to grow things out. And some of it works, some of it didn't work. And it was kind of interesting what happened. But um, man, there's something I was going to say. Oh, yeah. If, if it's like the same price, I, mean, I guess I'd probably grow organic seeds but you know i wonder when you so like beans right um bean seeds usually bean seeds usually come like treated um to help kind of i don't know if it keeps the fungus off them or, or what it does but they usually come like treated and it helps helps grow I, I wonder if there's like an organic treatment or are all like organic bean seeds like untreated i wonder i just do you have any you guys have any idea I didn't know that bean seeds were all treated. Um, I, as a kid growing up, that was always what we had was just the treated kind. I think usually really? the conventional type used to be. Now, I don't know. Maybe they're getting away from that. I don't know. Well, there's the, um, so there's like the inoculants that you can put on beans. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that that's helps. What Is that what you're talking about? That's what oh, okay. So, so typically a lot of like um, seed, seed shops will sell inoculants that you can buy and you're supposed to match the inoculant to the, the type of bean. But yeah, you put that on the bean seed, you like soak it overnight. And then when you plant it, it's supposed to help with the nitrogen fixing aspect of the beans. You know, where they, they pull the nitrogen out of the air and put it in the soil. Uh, it's supposed to help them do that better. Uh, but anytime I've done it, it's been a separate thing where I've actually had to do the action of inoculating them. I wouldn't mind pre-inoculated seeds, to be honest. Yeah. I wonder if, the, if that would, if, if the inoculant is itself, is itself organic. I, I think it's considered that. organic. Because, um, uh, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that organic like growers do that, use the inoculant. Mm. So I'm, I, it's just, it's been a minute since I've used it, but I'm pretty sure it was OMRI, you know, certified, which is, we can talk about that, you know, at some point tonight, but the certifying <laughs> agency for organic uh, products. Well, yeah, that's actually what I wanted to uh, have. We've got our, one of our that's friends on, of the morning show is joining us this I, evening. Is, is Magoo over in Russia tonight? Helping fight the good fight? <laughs> At this time, uh, he's fighting the good fight closer to Atlanta, uh, so probably a lot more, uh, a lot more action to be found where he is than than over in the Ukraine, I would imagine. Uh, but yeah, I did want to get into that, like some of the the certifying stuff and the way that organics uh, are able to get the label that they get. So, so like my background, I, I think we actually we may not have. But I came from the uh, the grain elevator side of stuff. Here, like and a redneck, right? Like yeah, redneck. yeah. So I ran grain elevators all over the country for many years, and one of the big things that we had was uh, white corn and yellow corn non-GMO, and all of the 
very specific testing and uh, stipulations and, and the way you had to handle that as opposed to the way you handled regular GMO corn or just non-certified uh, corn. And, and the really weird part about that is there are pretty strict limitations on how much genetically modified corn can be in your non-GMO corn for it to still qualify. But like there's there's always genetically modified in that in that corn. Like it's if you have a you know you have a certain grace period, none of it is a hundred percent. so that always kind of struck me as as funny. And then the the uses that they have for the for the non-GMO versus the GMO um, there's unless you had it tested, there's literally no way you would ever know a difference. Um, it, you know, like I can I, I, get, see, can I get non-GMO ethanol, <laughs> artisanal see, ethanol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my car see, that rides on. This <laughs> <laughs> it's not See, the thing is, like a a certified non-GMO grower is never going to sell their corn to the ethanol plant period like because they because they have so much in it they have to get those GM, those non-gmo premiums otherwise it's not worth it for them so like i do do they still get like the government subsidies for the non-gmo corn yes okay oh, sure they have to right yeah, yeah, yeah the, the ethanol the ethanol subsidies dried up uh and that's why that's why you stopped seeing the push for ethanol, like you saw. Uh, I don't know how much y'all are y'all were involved with that side of the business or that side of the, uh, the agricultural industry. But like from 2005 ish going forward, there was a big governmental push for yeah. more ethanol, uh, mm-hmm. specifically corn-based ethanol, which was quite possibly really- the most retarded thing that they could have done because. Corn-based ethanol is one of the least efficient forms of ethanol on the planet. Well, for some reason, the U.S. government got it in their mind that they needed to push that. So there were huge subsidies both for ethanol legit. plants. There were there was huge subsidies both for for the ethanol plants and for corn growers in producing more corn and producing corn-based ethanol. Uh, but that dried up in 2015, I want to say, and and. And at that time, then you started to see corn prices on the Chicago border trade and, and the Kansas City border trade start to come back down and level out and get back to like normal pre-2005 levels. And, and like they're up now, but that's because like right now, all commodity prices have gone up because the stock market in general has gone up so much. Like right now, the commodity markets are riding the stocks because everything and, and rocking inflation. So like because everything is getting so expensive, the price of corn and soybeans and wheat are also going up. But it's not like when it was going up from 2005 through 2015 and 16, it was strictly being driven by the, the subsidies and the ethanol program, not by actual like supply and demand type of uh, stuff. So yeah, so yeah that, that's, I, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> It was an interesting time well, like to says, be in the business. Straight retarded. Like, let's turn food into fuel. Let's turn really 
of feed heavy food, right? Corn just beats the hell out of soil and the amount of fertilizer and water that it takes, you got to put on it. Let's turn that into fuel because that's better for the environment than, you know, these fossil fuels that run in these cars that we, I mean, how efficient are these cars now? Like, I mean, really, we're really, that, shut up. Like, I just, I, I was appalled. I remember so you want to know, what the, cra- you wanna know yeah. what the craziest part of that was? The the ethanol companies, like the ethanol plants, they were expected and required to produce so much ethanol to, you know, all, almost all fuel is at least 10% ethanol at this point. Um, so they were required to produce so much ethanol to keep those rates up so that all gas in the United States could be a minimum of 10% ethanol. Well, corn is a ridiculously inefficient way to make ethanol. So they were they they were actually importing uh, sugarcane based corn or sugar based <laughs> sugar cane based ethanol from South America for cheaper than what they could produce the ethanol from corn in the U.S. And it's like and they um, when they make the ethanol from the sugar cane South America, that's after the sugar cane has been processed. So they use the silage from the sugar cane to make ethanol instead here in the u.s we're taking we're, we're using the actual corn to make like it's it is the most inefficient and wasteful process on the planet and yet somehow the federal government thinks that that's a good idea like if that doesn't tell you anything else like or that should tell you everything that you need to know about the federal government having anything to do with any policy is that they took good food grade corn and turned it into fuel and you could take the trash that's left over from the food grade corn and make a more efficient fuel. Well, I, again, I think the goal was just to get rid of the corn, though. You know, it wasn't to make an efficient fuel. It's like, hey, you know, we've been subsidizing this corn. <laughs> you know, um, so you know, maybe it's just a way to get rid of the get rid of the corn. Well, let's burn it. You know, <laughs> let's put it in our gas tanks and burn it. It's a it's a hell of a business plan if you're like a, a on the corn. You know, if you're in that industry, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I got, I, I guaranteed somebody's going to buy my crop beyond just food. I have this other resource, this other source that it can go to. Like, it, it keeps everybody happy and it creates, you know, this sort of false sense of demand for, for more corn. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I can go get into corn farming and I probably get some, some grants if I'm like a, a black woman or a white woman or any, any sort of female. I can get more grants and more money. And, and you know, it's just, and then it all fell, and here we are today. Well, like sixty percent of our food is corn. Like, like they they yeah, crammed as yeah. much corn as they can into our food already. Drive it away. <laughs> but yeah, definitely ridiculous. Uh, and I mean, it's I mean, it's great like economics lesson, like a you know a basic economics lesson for anybody to like you know just look at this situation and like this is why government getting involved in subsidies is either just blundering stupidity or more likely it's some sort of like cronyism you know uh, mm-hmm. as a way to you know spread money around and you know just use up commodities but so anyway i i told all of that to uh to kind of segue into the government being involved we tangent in, we took your, yeah, your segue to yeah, a tangent yeah, yeah. Good so using that corn, to, to, to lead into the government and the way that they manage and handle 
classifying organics because that that is kind of that system is kind of insane in and of itself. So, and, and I don't know, Dag, you you have some experience with that. So, you want to talk about that and let's uh, let's kind of sure. look at the insanity that is getting an organic label. Sure. So, um, so getting an organic label is something I'm never going to do. Uh, besides the fact it's extremely expensive, it's you know it's gotten very like large and commercialized. And ever since day one, it's it's been based around, hey, here's a way that we can just make a nice, easy label for companies to put on their product. And just basically like a sales thing. You know, it really didn't stick with the principles that most people think of when they think of organic, good for the earth, et cetera. And over the years, due to, you know, large corporate influence, they've really pulled back what the requirements are in the way of what you actually have to do uh, in the way of farming, <laughs> but not necessarily like what you have to do, like to, to get the license, which is very, it just gets more expensive. Uh, a lot of inspections, you know, you can use Roundup, you can use plant killer, uh, herbicides, stuff like that, that you wouldn't think you can use for, for organic. And a lot of the organic these days is coming from overseas and it's harder to check, regulate, really know what you're getting. So I don't know if counterfeits the right word, but you might be getting some counterfeit, you know, organic fruit or produce. It's totally possible. Well, I mean, it'd be totally possible coming from here too, but. I mean, how much do we know about like the olive oil industry and how, yeah, um, honey you or know, whatever. Right. I mean, of course mm. it happens with organic. It has to, like it yeah. has to, especially, you know, anyway, carry on. See no more than yeah. that. Well, and some, some, some stuff, you know, like some stuff, if you know what you're shopping for, some stuff it might be really worth <laughs> it to get organic, you know, something like potatoes where it's a root and it sucks up you know, whatever's in the ground, but something like onions, like there's really no need to get like organic, like onions, because onions only get pests. They don't use a lot of pesticides. So, you know, you can be smart about it uh, when you're shopping. It's, you know, you don't have to be like just a psycho, like, oh, I'm not even gonna wear polyester because it's, you know, plastic or whatever. Uh, you know, you can still be sensible about it. But yeah, for the most part, it's kind of nonsense. Now, here's, there are some other options, like there's something called certified naturally grown, where it's a program that costs like $100 a year farmers inspect other farmers like in their area and there's rules like you can't inspect the same farm twice you guys can't inspect each other's farms you know stuff like that and it seems to be kind of cool at least it's a little bit less expensive uh, my thing with everything is just like man i don't really care about a label or a certification it's like come visit the place like you have that mm -hmm. option i'll show you how i do things and you can decide you know and that's any any place that'll let me come visit and like check out how they do it is always like a big plus you know you know that they're they're at least proud of what they do i uh when i was doing my show i had a guy on um he raised pork out uh, in arizona and you know he basically I mean, he kind of did it like I don't know if organically is the right word, but, um, you know, he looked at getting certified and stuff. And it was just the, the cost put him out. Like, it's already expensive to feed these hogs, like, you know, not on a, a dick ton of grain, but like, you know, just feed them and get them right. And uh, that was basically his thing that put him out was the, the cost of doing organic. And it ends up, you know, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to call it natural. And look, you want to you buy my stuff? Come to the farm. Come check it out. See where these pigs live. See where these chickens are living. You want to come out on butcher day? Cool. Come on, let's go. You know, but when you open up and like you let people see how it works, the way it works, you know, it's it's it, you know it's got to be better. It's the only way. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, like you can be getting organic chicken from the store, and what does that mean? 
organic free range <laughs> chicken or whatever they call it. it. It doesn't mean that chicken's ever seen the light of day. It doesn't mean that chicken's ever eaten a blade hey, of grass. You know, no, it, it doesn't mean that. They had it's, a chance. There was they yeah. had they had a three foot yeah. window. They got they, there was some sunlight <laughs> on the other end of the tunnel, and there was three feet of grass. Not that chicken's fault. It was retarded and couldn't find the grass. Okay, <laughs> they, they the only opened the fault. door the last two weeks of its life. You know, <laughs> even give it the option, oh, but hurry, yeah. fly, fly away. <laughs> yeah, it's. But I mean, that's one of the great examples of just how over the years it went from being like, okay, maybe they have to be outside to all the way to well, how can we technically say maybe it's a little better? So when you go to the grocery store and get your organic stuff, that might be the case. You can't go visit the farm. You can't audit it. Nope. You know, so it's. It, you, you know, you just never know. Now, on the other side of things, just to be devil's advocate, like if you do, if you are trying to eat a certain way and you're just out somewhere, you don't have the opportunity to go to a farm and buy produce from it. Seeing an organic label can at least make you think, OK, it's probably closer to what I'm looking for, hopefully. You know, so there is like that value to it, I guess. But it's again, like like Clyde was saying, it's really, really expensive, like for a, a farmer to to get not not just to get the certification. But for the feed that it costs to feed the animals organic, you know, like it, the chicken feed for me, if I want to do it straight organic is like twice as much, at least as conventional feed. Yeah. It already, it already costs a, a ton just to do it. And you want to mm -hmm. throw that organic horse crap in there. And it's like, you know, it puts you out. Um, it's, it's really, it's, and that's not, that's not, you know, you feed your licenses and all this stuff for, for what, you know, come, come look at my birds and you'll see that they're much, much happier in the grass. Mm -hmm. getting chased by hawks than getting chased by each other in these big nasty shelters <laughs> but it, it is an interesting point though about the you know if you're out like kind of being able to recognize that label as organic and okay i'm at this this restaurant or whatever i'm, I'm stopped at the uh the quickie loop for a, a little bit of gas and slim jim and like you know which one's organic right like i get this organic slim jim and I'm I'm still staying in my uh, you know healthy parameters or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe slightly. Or, yeah, or, yeah, what, whatever the virtue is. <laughs> if you're looking for organic Slim Jims, I, I feel like you've made some poor life choices along the way to this. Uh... <laughs> still transitioning <laughs> to, yeah, to being yeah, healthy vegan. is what I meant. You know what I mean? Do, by do that, they make vegan Slim Jims yet? Can I get like a Beyond Meat Slim Jim? Oh, somebody has to. <laughs> somebody has to make one of those. It might be. Uh, I mean, it can't be any worse than a regular Slim Jim. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so we were at we were at Sam's Club a couple weeks ago, and they had the uh, the non meat chicken nuggets, and I tried a bite of one. I I, I spit it out. I couldn't do it. I, like oh, I tried man. really hard to chew it up and actually swallow it. And I just, I, I couldn't do it. Uh, I, you got you to think was, about the old lady that just gave you that like chicken nugget and how bad you I waited until I got around ruined the corner. Her whole she couldn't see me. It was an old lady, but like I waited until I got around the corner. She couldn't, she couldn't see me before I spit it out, but I couldn't do it. And I tried hard to, like I, my, I'm surprised my wife didn't, like video my face as I was attempting to get this thing down because it was it was just so bad. I I, I don't I don't think I can do it. And having can you, can like you... having killed my own chickens and cooked my own chickens, uh, and you know what you know, knowing what good raised with love 
and murdered with malice chicken taste like. Like, I just I can't eat fake chicken. I, I just can, can't do can it. Can you can you describe it for the, the people out there? I've never had it personally, so I'm, I'm wondering if you can give me like a you know good good description. All right. So have you Mark ever, Twain esque description of your? Have you ever chewed on clover? Clover. Yeah. Like the, the, like the the flower. Yes. Like yeah. The, yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. And have you ever eaten Play-Doh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was like clover flavored Play-Doh. Interesting. With uh, breading on it. Is that dry, huh? It's just not good. Huh. Not, yeah. You would have expected yeah. salted bean curd protein to be delicious. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I really don't know if that's what it's made out of, but that sounds pretty close. I could sell I mean, that. It's, I don't know. Probably close. <laughs> There's like a clever name for those. I don't remember what it is. It's like for the I, I saw like chicken nuggets and it was like some clever punny name of like faux chicken or or, or that just something. sounds Thai. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that doesn't sound too bad. Um, but like, um, I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. I'm not good with puns. <laughs> My kid was in the car the other day asking me like what a pun was, and he put it out there. It was totally not a pun, and I'm trying to explain it, and I sounded like the biggest dumbass in the world. I don't. I, puns are like just, he asked me. I can't find. think of it. Yeah, it's hard to find a pun. You just kind of know what you you're sounded like a dumbass, so you again were pretty well on brand. Yeah, it's good. To, yeah. Good to know. I keep uh, it real. So let's kind of, so let's kind of uh, pivot a little bit away from the the seed and organic side of stuff, and talk a little bit about raising animals. Because uh, I know both of you have. Well, I know too, I know too many animals. Goes, yeah, we've, yeah, we've all got too many animals. I don't even have that many, and I've got too many. Uh, so we've got a couple Nigerian dwarf goats and a handful of chickens and probably going to expand to a couple hogs. And I would really like to get a cow, but I, I don't just want to, I don't want to just buy a cow and then raise it to slaughter it. Like I would like to breed, but I don't have enough room to breed Your arm long cows. Enough? Yeah, I don't have enough room to do that, uh, to do it well. So I probably will just buy a calf and then raise it with love and care and then murder it with malice. Like that's kind See, of my thing. I, my and and I've uh, I don't know if I talked about this on the the other show, but like I've talked about this with Dag. Like the the chickens feathers and like feathers are okay. Like it sucks. I don't like doing it. I can do it. It's easy enough. Chickens, turkeys, shoot a bird, whatever. Um, they start getting fur and it gets harder and I've done rabbits and you know, it's about the same time frame. Rabbits are around for like eight to 12 weeks. Chickens are like six to eight weeks, but you know, it's the same time frame, same like loving and caring that you put into it. Um, and they were always harder. I had to like, literally like I, I all day, like I'd wake up in the morning and know that like that night I had to butcher these rabbits and it was just a whole process of like stealing myself up for it because like it sucks it, I, I don't like it like I, I know there's probably different ways of doing it I'd, you know hold my scruff the neck and basically just you know blunt force trauma the back of their head um 
you know, and, and, and that works and that's one way to do it. And it sucks, but it's gotta get done. Um, we have a couple goats that are, are looking like they're about ready to butcher. One's about a year old and he's probably a little bit older than he needs to be. Um, and his sister is as well. And I think it's tough, man. It's really like, cause we don't have a lot of goats. We have, I think we had eight. We just had eight more babies. So now we got 16. Maybe we had nine or 10. I don't know. But you know, the point is it's not a big herd, right? They're small. It's, it's few enough numbers that you know, which one is which. And, you know, when they're all have different color patterns, again, you know, which one is which it's easy when they're all white. you just, yeah, whatever, stupid white goats and off they go. Um, you know, but so I, I don't know. And then they have little like family bonds. Like they still like, <laughs> despite being a year old, they still like sleep next to their mother. I'm like, tell my wife, like, we can't do that. Like, that's mean. I can't do that. We need to get her pregnant and have more babies. So she like focuses on these new babies and lets these two go. And she's just looking at me like I'm fucking nuts. Like, I'm like gonna give her the damn gun. You go do it. Like, I don't want to do this. Um, but that's you know that's part of it. I guess that's part of all that's got to happen. Um, you know, because eventually you, you do. You run out of space. It gets too expensive. And you know that's that's the purpose, right? Um, at the end of the day, that's that's the purpose. And that's you know so either either I do it or some Mexican in a chicken plant is gonna do it. And you know. I'm not deriding Mexicans, but you know, somebody in like a, in a plant, right? Like that, well, that like, you know, that's, that's their job. They butcher a thousand chickens in a day. And guess what? Nobody gives a shit. Um, you know, when I'm doing it, this, this is like, I, I have feelings for this goat. So when I put it out of its misery, it'll be as best it can. Well, obviously the difference is, you know, the Mexicans, you're slaughtering chickens in a plant those are i mean those those got brought in on a truck and dumped that's in what, and they're just you know you they don't have any investment in them uh, well that's it, and that's exactly what i mean right and it's that's it like there's no granted like every thing. chicken that i've every chicken that i've slaughtered i uh i didn't have much i didn't have much of a uh feeling about it but also um they all decided that it was time to be assholes and peck me. And if you peck me, then you die. I'm, I, I'm kind of, uh, uh, on that. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't be a peckerhead. Like if you, if I, reach in to, if I reach in to grab the feeder and you come running up and bite my hand, then I'm going to grab you by the neck and pick you up and give you a good shake and set you to the side and finish feeding the rest of them that didn't feel like biting me. And then, and then I'll deal with you in a minute. Like, uh, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Like there is, there is a, uh, a level of investment that like we've got a chicken that we've had her. She's the one we've had the longest. And if I walk up to her, she'll just sit down and let me pick her up. It's a, uh, Hey, Hey. And I'd like, I couldn't, I couldn't butcher her. <laughs> there's no, mm -hmm. there's no way she's going to get old and tough and, just yeah. die on her own like I, there's no way i could actually like butcher her so okay. yeah I get what you're saying. And, like and i i don't know what it is and, and this is not where you want to go with the show but like i don't know what it is like the value system or like the this idea that like is it is it watching disney films that's that's raised me to be like soft like this like we have a couple of horses and when they get old like i'm gonna have to put them down and that's going to suck ass. 
But at the end of that, like if I wanted to, I could then turn that horse into 500 pounds of meat. But I'm not gonna because that's weird to me. Like I can tell you right now, that's not gonna happen. Um, but I know people that do, and and so, like, what is it? Why why do I feel this way about like these four-legged furry animals that? That's I mean, like they don't give a shit if I'm there. If I don't have food, they don't care. Um, you know, but I I have like feelings for them. Yeah. I'm sorry, Doug. What were you gonna say about animals? <laughs> No, do I mean if we're gonna <laughs> go down this path? I mean, not even I, I totally hear you. You know, I do the chickens and the the broiler chickens that yeah, all look the same, they're with you six to eight weeks. It's not that bad. I think I heard you put it this way one time, and I feel the same way where it's the first one of the day and the last one of the day, you know, might be a little tough for whatever reason they stand out, right? Um, yeah. but uh but yeah, the bigger animals, like it's gonna be hard with the goats because the goats are so damn adorable, but we're gonna have we're gonna have boy goats, you know, for breeding these yeah. things. You know, so it's going to have to happen. And I like the idea of having another like protein source on the farm, but it's it's going to be tough. You know, we had a couple of hogs that were with us for a while. They were supposed to breed. They didn't. And I shot the boy in the face and it was tough, but it wasn't that bad. A couple of years later, we had to do the female and I just I just didn't want to do it. I sold her to a neighbor so that he could have her butchered. And he came and we loaded her up in a trailer and it was sad, you know, seeing her go. And like she looked back like she, you know, motherfucker, you know, and got in the trailer and, you know, like it was like, I felt bad, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I I don't know, like, I mean, I felt bad, like shipping her off like that, you know, to go be killed and it, but it, just because I was too much of a pussy to do it. Right. So, yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. The goat's going to be tough, you know, but you get over it. Our first few chickens were, were difficult. And before we started doing the broilers, it was it'd be chickens that were with us for six months because they had to, you know, get, mm -hmm. get bigger, like doing the heritage breeds. And they all look yeah. unique. And, yeah, you're with them long enough to develop personalities. And you just got to hope that, you know, the wife doesn't name them. And, it's, <laughs> and, and there, there's, there's just something weird. Like I would I think about like eating some of like my name birds that we've had for years. It's, it's like it, it doesn't like it doesn't feel good in your stomach when you think about it like it. It, it just sounds disgusting it's <laughs> it's it's weird how appetite and stuff works like that i mean that's a whole nother conversation but like but yeah it's there's it's it's, it's like a family member or something at that point i'm a big softie yeah. with animals so what can i say yeah did what? i tell you all about the last one that i uh that i butchered the last, last kid <laughs> oh, no. uh... the last chicken so it was the uh it was a male one i had actually named it he was a bastard so, wasn't he yeah, he was a super bastard. He was like basically wrecking all the females and being an asshole around the yard. And so as he was out there, like just cock the walking it up and being king asshole, I saw him and I just like decided, okay, it's time to be done with this fucker. So, so I grabbed the little hand uh, hand tool that we use like in the garden and just went over and knocked him down and whacked his head off with it. And then took him over and started and started dressing him out, not realizing that the kids had a friend over who was in the pool and just witnessed me like, kind of like march out into the yard and murder a chicken in the middle of the yard and start skinning it up. Like, did he just kill a chicken? Oh, that's awesome! And then she kind of comes stands next to me and watches me dress him out and everything. It's like, oh, nice. hi, Jenny. Didn't realize, didn't realize you were here. <laughs> like the kids are used to seeing me murder chickens, but you know, random neighbor kid, not, not so much accustomed to that. So do y'all, uh, do you defeather or do you just skin them? I was about to ask you the same thing. 
a, a chicken like that, a heritage breed, I might look into skinning, but I have a plucker machine now. I invested in a plucker machine. It's the best damn thing in the world, man. How much did you she know? cost? I thought you guys just got married. I didn't know you paid for it. What's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the plucker machine? <laughs> I've got a really yeah. nice knife set for that. Um, that'll get like it'll get right up under that breastplate and mm. pull the skin away. I don't I do not like do or have any interest in defeathering. So I just take the skin off entirely. If, yeah, if you're just, not gonna scald it, then there's no point trying to defeather it. And if you're just doing one, there's no point in scalding it. Do you really need yeah, like, like I don't with with meat birds, do you need to like have a special tool to skin it? I feel like well, it's, it's. I, I feel mean, like I, I work this, to try to not skin it. Like this you know. knife set is for is for like meat cutting, so it's like for whenever I skin a deer or something like that. So, but it you, it works it works just as well for chickens for taking the skin off. Like it's mm-hmm. it has the right uh, it has the right angles on the blade that it's easy to get up underneath that breastplate and just peel the skin away and without it. Uh, Without having to fight with it, because like, I've I've done it with like a just a regular good knife, and mm-hmm. it can be a pain in the ass. But so mm-hmm. like, you know, I feel like the right knife for the job is important. Yeah, always the right the right tool. Well, you know, doing the like the broiler chickens, uh, you know, like like equipment wise, uh, can be one of the more you know pricier things for like rabbits or something. Because yeah, like in order to be like profitable, you're doing a plucker machine, which you know wasn't bad. I think it cost me like four or five hundred bucks delivered to my door. Uh, it's amazing, you know. And I really, you know, being like an economics nerd, I got like I like teared up when I get arrived, and I just started thinking about the fact that like this this item that was made, you know, from parts from like six continents, you know, all coming to you know an eye pencil kind of scenario, you know, all coming together to build this thing that allows me to lower my prices enough to allow so many people to afford my products, you know, and it was like, it's just so beautiful, you know, and it was all done by voluntary cooperation and blah, blah, blah. And oh man, it's so fucking great. But anyhow, um, <laughs> it, it's the only reason that I can do it. might be like profitable is having like that piece of like mechanization. My next step will be getting like a better scalding system that takes a little less personal attention per bird. Uh, but you know, we're, we're working on it. You know, we get, we get a little more practice with every batch we do and we, you know, add one more item or, cut something a little bit differently or make an improvement, you know, every time. And, you know, we're getting there. It's just, it can be tough to scale because obviously sales, you know, you have to like scale with sales and you kind of have to estimate because they're products that you have to set up months in advance. So, you know, that's got some of the challenges, but we're learning. Do you, what is it? Um, what's it like for licensing? Do you have a, is there a, is there a cap on the number that you can produce before you have to? So in, yeah, in Florida with what's called a limited poultry permit, you can do, it's like 300 and something meat birds a week, whatever that works out to. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, like 20,000 or something. Oh, and, no but you're, you're, you can only do 30 dozen eggs a week, which seems like an odd ratio between the two. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're allowed to do like 300 and something meat birds. It's pretty easy in Florida. Okay. I think they, I think it was like 2013, they allowed this uh, permit. They allowed, allowed people to sell eggs to the right. neighbors. Uh, but it's like $110 a year. I consider it a small bribe. And they leave yeah. me alone unless there's a complaint against me. So, which is, you know, on the one hand, like, okay, cool system. Yeah, they don't mess with you unless somebody has a complaint, which seems valid. But of course, the downside of that is any, they have these rules in place because, 
you know, they don't want you to be a competitor to the big guys. But any of the big guys, if they see you're a competitor and they think you are, they can just pick up the phone and make a complaint about you, whether it's yeah. true or not. And well, cause yeah. problems. I mean, and I've lamented to you about this, but I'm I'm here in, in Georgia and, and we're like the number number two, number three state, like chicken producing state in the country. And like the the hoops I would have to go through to sell like some chicken is it's like crazy like i have to have somebody out here to inspect i have to have like a separate drainage system i have to like all these things like temperature control brooms like all this stuff to set up to sell like any birds um and then after i and then i forget what the number is i don't know if it's like one or ten thousand i don't think it's ten thousand um, i think it's lower than that but after that then it's like this then you become something else and then the, the restrictions are even more stringent whereas someplace in like vermont like you could sell up to a thousand birds and no one cared anything about it um mm -hmm. you know it's it's your discretion go ahead sell a thousand birds um you know you're not gonna get rich doing that but you can pay for your own meat that way for sure um, well, you know in, in in fairness here you're supposed to have like a lot of stuff drainage systems slab yeah. septic five sinks but unless there's a complaint against you they don't inspect okay so See, that, I, I don't know how it works up there. Uh, I'm not going to say well, more on that, but you know what I mean. You know what I'm getting at. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. No, they 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 want to come look, and they really they, no, that sucks. they that's what that's what one thing says. Uh, like you know, you set a time to come look or something like that. Well, and, they okay. So my initial inspection, they came to my front gate, and that okay. was the inspection. They didn't come on the property and look around at all. But that was the initial inspection. Now the only reason that I I I have a let's say a neighbor who told me that that's how it works around here. So I. Sort of roll the dice to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see yeah, how it yeah. goes. So, but again, I don't know. I don't know how it is up there. But you know, I'm just yeah. saying, just what it says. You know, the rules are depending on you know your area. It's sometimes they're a little. I feel like they make these these um, concessions to us just to you know say okay, we'll throw you a bone. It gets the mm -hmm. keeps a few things out of court for people who want to protest that they won't allow us to sell this. Um, but it's still like it's I, I, I don't know. The, the, the people in Florida, the people I talk to who run this stuff, they don't know anything about it. Like they <laughs> they don't know anything how it works. They're just like, OK, whatever. Here's your thing. I tried asking the inspector questions about it. She had no idea. She's like, whatever's on the website. And there's like 13 <laughs> bullet points on the website. And that's it. And they're kind of vague. So it says you can't sell online, but it doesn't say what that means. So <laughs> have you, OK, so that was something. You can't put your chickens on Amazon, bro. Yeah. <laughs> So talking about that that side of it, that was something that I saw in the grain side of things a lot, um, specifically when we had to deal with OSHA, but even when we were dealing with like USDA, FDA type of stuff, like the people who are working with these government agencies that are doing the inspections and doing the checks who are like supposed to be holding you accountable don't know a single fucking thing about what they're talking about. They don't know anything about the process. Like they would come to the grain elevator and they didn't know the first thing about how the testing process worked about anything. Like I, I would be surprised if these bastards had ever actually seen real corn in person, uh, except for well, like on the rare occasion when they show up at the ele grain elevator. Like it, it I'm not on TV. <laughs> this this is not not a defense of them, but. Um, I mean, yeah, isn't that expected? They went to school to become, you know, 
ingratiated into the state and this was the job they got and you know they've never stepped foot outside they've been in the classroom you know studying all these books on how i don't know diseases are bad or something or you know whatever the hell it is they do um you know here's you know code 1.23 ab suck a dick like you know that's what they know. They don't know in, in anything in, in reality, in, in actual, you know, physical world being. It's it's paper, pencil pushing nerds. I mean, they're just happy you feed them. Busy bodies, man. <clears throat> yeah, but, so you all I mean, have to, to deal with. Uh... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying to that point. Yeah, like when I had an issue here with code enforcement. I mean, they're awful people. But like, he used to be a cop. You know, and they're just not, they're not human, dude. It's, it, it's mm-hmm. so weird. What a weird person to want to be that some job like that. I don't, I don't, I don't Super Karen. So yeah. I was going to say, do y'all, so do y'all on like, on the scale that you're on have to deal with OSHA or, or anything like that? Like ever? Yeah. I don't have employees or anything. No. That's, my kids, that's my kids nice. don't collect. Yeah, I yeah, and I mean, I, I've you know, if I have help, you know, they're not, you know, an an employee or whatever. That's ideally it'll stay that way. I mean, hey, I'd love to be able to get big enough to have actual employees, right? But mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping to keep my business model to where it can be me and some occasional volunteer help, you know, and you know, the wife and any kids that Clyde, you know, feels. Like me, like a work camp to set them straight for the summer. Seriously, I'll send them down there, man. Make them fight manatees and pluck your chicken. <laughs> you see, go send them even further south. I think it's hot here. Yeah, it might be hot where you are. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's very fortunate. Like we we had to deal with in the grain industry, we had to deal with OSHA semi regularly, and then every mm-hmm. company had every company that I worked for had a safety department and an engineering department and all these other departments and none of them actually did the job or knew jack fucking shit about running a grain elevator or handling grain or any of that stuff. So you would always run into like the safety guy would say, well, we need to do this and this and this to be OSHA compliant. And I'm like, okay, like as soon as you do that, you've created four more safety hazards by taking away the one. Like, do you not actually understand how this works or have you never actually loaded the bars or, or done maintenance work on a grain elevator in any way? And of course the answer is no. Like they never even stepped foot out of their fucking office like let's then on a barge. So they they probably don't know what the damn thing looks like. Like so the yeah, I guess the smaller you are the the less likely you are to have to deal with some of that bullshit. But like coming from right. coming from the industry I came from, uh because because small farms are actually a uh Pestilence. I guess statistic. I'm trying to think of statistically, small farms are very dangerous. Uh, most, or there are a, a high number of accidents that happen on small farms, and usually when an accident job. <laughs> <laughs> well, and usually when an accident happens, it's usually really bad. Um, so, it, it, like the death rate in to accident rate looks really bad. And because that's the agricultural like blanket that the government puts it all under, people in like the the field that I came from, the more industrial agricultural field, even though 
literally any grain company that you go to in the United States, their RPI is 0.8 or less. The, the working in the grain industry is one of the safest. Working in the grain industry is one of the safest industries that you can work in if you're at a corporate level. But because so many farm accidents happen, it's extremely heavily regulated by OSHA. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough, it's tough to get around that kind of stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so there's always like a lot of eyeballs on it. So anytime something even really, really minuscule happens in a grain elevator, it gets blown way out of proportion for no more reason than because the industry is really closely watched by OSHA. And, and the industry is only really close, watch, closely watched by OSHA because of like fringe bullshit that doesn't have anything to do with the larger industry as a whole. It's, See, this, so yeah, if y'all don't have to deal with that, you're lucky. Like, and this, that's the thing, like, it's a perfect example of like OSHA and why OSHA is like the most ridiculous thing. Like, oh, but the code says we need to fix this. And like, yeah, that's, that's what the code says. But guess what, dipshit? Like, if you do that, then we have this problem and that problem and that problem. And like, there's no, it's all, it's all paper. Everything looks great. You can do anything you want on paper. You can do anything you want, but you put it into into practice and forget it. Like the shit falls apart, and that's how we. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, it's <sighs> the way that you, you know, even the way you said it, uh, Justin, is like, like, um, it, okay, we're lucky we don't have to deal with it. Which, which you're right, but that's like the reason that I want to stay small enough to where I don't have to deal with it. But it's, you know, of course, my, you know, cronious conspiracy mind is always. Well, yeah, that's why OSHA exists is to keep keep me small, right? You know, keep me from having the ability to grow unless I want to invest tons of money. Because, of course, these big, you know, the big companies that, you know, run the industrial agriculture, uh, I don't know about how big the company was that you worked for or anything, but, you know, they hire people to handle that kind of shit, you know, but it keeps competition out, you know, for, for, for them. And that's just anytime I see some shit like that, I'm like, yep, just trying to keep the little guy down, you know, which... But that's but that's why I want to stay small because yeah I want to avoid that shit. So you can say it's working, <laughs> you know. But I also don't have super high ambitions, you know, in general. So. <laughs> I don't want to work sixty or seventy hours a week in a fucking office. I don't want to do that. I'd rather have I'd right. rather butcher my own chickens or at least work assist in the process, you know, or or whatever. You know, I want to be involved. I want to I want to enjoy my job. So. And life. Yeah, I was. I was never really the uh, the sit in the office type when I was when I was in those in or in that industry and in those jobs. I was much more of a hands on type. I just I, I enjoyed the work because I grew up on a farm. Like I liked being around grain and and learning yes. about that side of the industry because I grew up on a farm and because I saw like my dad and my granddad on the farm every day. And kind of the way that it was, and especially the way that, like their attitudes about uh, markets and the grain elevators and stuff were, and then getting to go and work on the other side of it and see how the markets work and and how the end product side of it works, like getting to understand both sides of it is really was really interesting for me and and really kind of drove me to to be good because on the one side I I understood like the the big corporation government regulation 
know, Chicago Board of Trade, everything that's going on on that side of it. But I also grew up with, you know, a conspiracy theorist father and uh, my granddad who would have just farmed until he went broke. And, and, you know, seeing that side of it and understanding the way that that the farmer thinks as well and like getting to put the two the two worlds together was was a lot of fun and, and interesting for me. Because um, like even today, I can understand why my dad gets pissed off about stuff that the grain elevator does. But at the same time, I understand why the grain elevator does it because they have government regulations and all kinds of other bullshit that they have to deal with. If they don't do it, so like, you know, if you do it, the farmer's pissed off at you. If you don't do it, uh, the government's pissed off at you and the government's going to find you. So like, what, do you, what do you do? <sighs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's, it's definitely uh, interesting uh, being like, like from that side because that's, you know, I, I didn't necessarily grow up in like much, like I kind of grew up in the country or whatever, but like, yeah, I didn't really grow up in much agriculture, you know, mine getting into it like a decade ago was, yeah, more like, uh, you know, hippie-ish kind of, you know, I'm going to grow organic veggies and, and and this and that. And, you know, my, my thoughts and goals have evolved a little bit, but, but yeah, definitely different from like a commodity kind of thing. You know, like we didn't raise cattle or whatever as a kid or, you know, people don't grow corn down here that much, certain areas, but uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like when I drove through, like, I don't know, Illinois and, and, and Indiana and stuff for the first time, just like the huge, like just vast expanses of corn is crazy. Never seen anything like it. And we have, you know, big orange groves and stuff, but nothing like that, you know. It sounds disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, Seems a little giant unnecessary. Cornfields or, yeah. Giant cornfields or giant orange groves? Are you, are you slandering oranges? No, I, the first time I went to Florida and saw them raise a big truck up and just watch the oranges roll out of it, it's like, what the? Uh, wow! Oh yeah, <laughs> it's somebody's job to spray them with a water cannon and spray them out of the truck too. <laughs> it looks like fun. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the packing houses or whatever. Have you ever been out to uh, the races? Right, guys, take that job. Never been. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been out to Colorado and see the way they so they have to irrigate everything? So the only thing, like all of their fields are circular because it's the pivot. Mm. So like as you're flying central over, pivot irrigation. <laughs> yeah. So like as you're flying over in the airplane and you're like looking out the window, you see all these like perfect squares with this big circle in the middle of it that has crops in it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's really weird and, and yeah. kind of beautiful at the same time. But like like my brain coming from you know the south where we where it's like you are literally spending your winter with a bush hog and chainsaw like cutting the tree lines back so that you can get more room to plant than seeing a a square field with just a big circle in the middle it's like oh my god look at all that wasted space on the mm-hmm. on the corner like, what are what are they doing here this is ridiculous <laughs> so, Matt, really, Matt, really kind of cool I saw one the other day, a uh, central pivot, but on the end, it had a sprinkler that shot out to the side. Mm-hmm. So on the corners, the sprinkler would kick on and you could get a little bit of that corner uh, carved out. Cause yeah, my OCD hates the circle with the, the corners <laughs> that you don't, I, I hate it, you know, but yeah, I saw a sprinkler and I was like, all right, good deal. 
There's a, there's a math problem there. All that area wasted, you know. How much? Just being a little yeah, active, it uh, runs right there. Yeah. You can have a little yeah, circle between put another the big well circles. in. Yeah, put another well in. That's you nice. pipe it right, you know. <laughs> Piping anything down here is all clay and bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah, the first time I saw those things, because like you know, up up in New England, we didn't have those. Um, down here, we do have those, and it was just like very curious to see it actually like kind of moving like you know I, I go here and then come back like three hours later and it's like moved and like there's a tread like there's a track where where there's no corn or cotton growing where the the tire goes and it's like oh wow or, or to see like the the um the tractor that, that picks up the cotton not the, the i don't know what tell is he drives through the cotton and he picks it all up but they have these like the big, picker. i guess i mean are they allowed to that's drive? The I don't know. Name for it. It's, a, it's just okay. a cotton picker. Like it's that's not racist to say that. You can just okay. call it a cotton I, picker. I don't know. I don't really like to say okay. calling anybody a cotton picker or cotton picking. I just I stay, tend to stay away from it. Um, we have a different. But it has these <laughs> has these big plastic things on front of the tires, right? And I never. I'm looking at them driving down the road. I'm like, what is that? And then I saw them going through one day, and I like put it on the other. No way. So they like they go through it like must like push the crops to the side and then they don't trample as much. And it was like I never saw this before. I never, you know, freaking tractors with tires that are like 12 foot tires driving down the road. I mean, it's insane. It's freaking insane. And, you know, here I am trying to kill a chicken. <laughs> Doesn't make you feel insignificant. I'm, I'm sorry, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, y'all got anything you. else? Uh, y'all got anything else to add to the conversation? We're uh, we're running at an hour, and I uh, I promise to let y'all get to bed so that you can show up bright and early tomorrow morning for our actual show. And and who knows, Mark is around, so maybe he'll even show up in the morning too, unless he's chasing the quarterback. Yeah, and, it was so it, it was so funny when he popped in, and you could just see his face. It was like a scary movie, something or other. I was it's like, like, "Dude, that's a cool effect. How's he doing that?" I think some some like ginger male or Manson is. Yeah, paste and like that's it. The last thing you see before you get murdered jogging. Seriously, he's, he's about to murk me right now on camera, waiting for me to shut it down. Oh, so for anybody who doesn't already watch our morning show be sure to check us out every monday wednesday and friday on the morning after you got to hit me up for a link because until we hit 100 subscribers i can't set the custom url so if you're not already subscribing go subscribe so we can get that uh custom url and then you don't have to sift through the 733 million the morning after other videos that exist out there there's only Good. one the morning after channel but there are so many videos you can't find us because apparently mm -hmm. those are all sponsored and we're not fuck you youtube yeah that's that's, that's right can can you make like a bitly link or something for the boomers like me that can't ever find it even when we've subscribed you know i've already been told that i need to do a link tree for my show so i may as well do something what is a link tree that's where <laughs> is this part of the bit uh, this is not the right show for the bit you do that on the <laughs> On the other show. Well, we'll talk about it in the morning. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man.
Thank y'all for coming on. This was yeah. this was great. I I like talking about ag stuff. Uh, yeah, like, me too. Because because I have a passion about it. Because I I grew up on a farm. Because I spent so many years in the industrial agricultural industry. Like I really like talking about this stuff. I really like talking about ag policy and stuff like that because everything that the federal government is involved in as far as agriculture is related, uh, they could not be further from getting it right. And, and the average person has absolutely no idea. So like more conversations about ag policy and how just completely ass backwards it is. Like, I feel like that, that's stuff that I could do every week because like the, the ag policy that is ass backwards like talking about the GMO stuff and like there is so much and people have no idea. That's it, man. Like, like it goes, it goes deeper that like I I used to teach in, in Brooklyn and I remember kids like not knowing where ketchup came from, not knowing that like ketchup is tomatoes and this is a vegetable and it grows on a vine, on a Mm -hmm. sort of like a vine, you know, like, no clue, you know, and, and like, you know, you hear guys like, like that Cyprian, uh, Ben, Ben Armani talk about the dim age and, and technology and like all these things we don't know. And like, do we have people that don't know where the hell their food comes from or how it's even grown? Like that is to me, like that, the, the food aspect of, of life is one of the most important things. Like just, you know, that, that nourishment and, and just, God, it's mind numbing, mind numbing. Well, then people people don't know, and it's like, man, if they did know that, like Bayer bought Monsanto, so it's like, oh, big farm pharmacy and like big chemical are the ones who own all your seeds, all the, you know, all the food you eat comes from them, and like people don't realize, oh, it's like these people who you would probably consider kind of evil, <laughs> you know, if you do this, they are responsible for all of your nutrition. That is insane. They're they're gonna own your kids if you both got the vax. Hmm. I'm gonna get you. Well, I'm so, telling you, man. It's it's gonna come out in a little while. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna own your body because they implemented some sort of IP tech tech into your body. So 16 million Americans believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. And r- we, we roughly, talked about this on the morning after. You know that. And roughly 48 percent of of all people don't know where chocolate milk comes from. Like they're not sure. There's the mystery. How many of these chocolate Selling marker on the show Friday, and it was an abject disaster. So, oh, thanks, guys. This has been a blast. If you ever have to talk about it again, let me know, and we will do it again. Hell yeah, man. And for everybody else, tune back in next Monday for the next episode of the show where I talk about whatever I come up with between now and then. Hopefully, it'll be good. Maybe it won't. You never know. See y'all. Peace.